Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, we pray for those that aren't here, Lord. We pray for those that are that are struggling, some of them with health issues, Lord, some of them spiritually. Lord, we pray for the lost souls that are out there, Lord. May we be a light that touches us. Jesus, I ask for your anointing to fall down upon this place this morning, upon this pastor, Lord, Lord, upon this congregation. Allow your word to be spoken, allow it to be accepted into hearts. And Jesus, as we go on, let us do everything to glorify you. We give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. If you have your Bibles, and you can want to get work your way over to Matthew chapter 3, um, you know the account of Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness is recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Mark's record is very brief about what happened. Um, he's pretty much to the point. It doesn't include much detail. Luke's account contains basically the same information as Matthew, except he changed the orders off a little bit on, on the temptations, but it's basically the same account. But it's important to note that all three of the Gospels record this and tie this to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. His baptism and then his time that he spends in the wilderness and his encounter with Satan in the wilderness was a huge part of that. Listen in Matthew chapter 3 as he gives us an account of the glorious beginning of Jesus' public ministry as he was an adult here. And it says, verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Something important in this passage, we see all three persons of the Trinity represented there. We see Jesus, who is being baptized by John the Baptist. And if you go back and you remember, this was, this was set in motion all the way at the beginning when the angel came of what John the Baptist was going to do as he was preluding up to Jesus' birth. Um, we see the Holy Spirit that descends down upon Jesus as a dove. We see the voice of God, the Father from heaven. As he says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. One thing that's important is we see some prophecy being fulfilled. And I always like to, to tie that back and share with you prophecy that is being fulfilled. If you look back in Psalms 2 and 7, it says the voice of God from heaven is a fulfillment of the prophecy from Psalms, from Psalms 2 and 7. If you look, it says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. You see, it was said hundreds of years earlier that Jesus was going to be coming. The Holy Spirit descending is further from Isaiah 42 and 1 where it says, Behold my servant upon whom, whom I uphold, my elected one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. You know, after that baptism, I can just imagine Jesus 
and the excitement that if that had happened to one of us that we would have. I can tell you most pastors, the first thing that they would want to do is start a big TV ministry or build a 10,000 seat sanctuary. You know, they would be totally excited. But listen to what Jesus did after this glorious moment. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit has descended upon him. And he, you hear this booming voice saying, My son, whom I well pleased. Listen to as we go into chapter 4 of what Jesus did. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And I'm going to stop right there because I want you to think about that. We don't know this physical location of where Jesus went into the wilderness. It's pretty well thought about that this is somewhere near Jericho, but we don't know for sure. But we do know that this was not a friendly place. Mark tells us in chapter 1, verse 13, he says that there were wild beasts there, as he says. And he, and he talking about Jesus, was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. This was a dangerous place, a lonely place. Um, Jesus was there without the comfort of other humans, without companionship or support. He was there with no other earthly humans there with him. And there's no doubt that Jesus, having not eaten and being exposed to the elements and the environment for all this time, was suffering from the cold and the nights were probably long as he was there and he was wandering. And he would have been pretty easy prey for many of these wild animals and the things and the beasts of the wilderness. But then, just when you think, in the wilderness, probably things are pretty bad, the devil shows up. Isn't that how it happens in our life? Yeah. Yeah. We get in that wilderness, we get in that dry time, and the devil shows up. Isn't it funny how that happens? And I don't I say that kind of derogatory, but you know, just when you think things can't get any worse, it seems to get worse. It has often been said by others that God allows and even ordains a wilderness experience for us. He puts us in the wilderness so we can learn sometimes. He puts us in the wilderness so we can grow. I've told you before that the, close, the, the times I grow closer to God are the times... When I am in those down, in those valley times, or those wilderness experience times. How often ministers are called, or they're initiated into the ministry. And it's often followed by an encounter with the devil. I can tell you this, no matter what God calls you to do in the church, the devil is going to show up and fight you with it. Oh, yeah. You know, as long as you're doing the devil's work, he's not going to worry about you. You're not even on his radar. But boy, as soon as you start doing the master's work, as soon as you start working for God, that's when Satan's going to show up. He's going to come by and he's going to try you. He's going to probe you. He's going to tempt you. And in every possible way, he's going to make us try to change our direction. I don't care if it's sweeping the floor in the church. The devil will find a way to make your job 
aggravated so that hopefully you'll quit and you won't do that. You know, I promise you this, the devil doesn't bother you if you sleep in the, the floor in a bar. He don't care nothing about that. But boy, you get in God's house and start doing something, he's going to find a way. You're out there at Walmart. And boy, it puts you on your heart to go speak to somebody and share a little bit of the gospel. Maybe pray with them. But boy, then there's this. Let's see, he's over there. Oh, don't do that. People will talk about you. Don't do that. People will lie. Oh, this isn't the place for that. What do you think people are going to think? He's telling you all these little things. You see, he's going to attack you when you're in that time. Jesus wasn't spared this ordeal. He's there in the wilderness 40 days. I go ahead and tell you. If I don't eat for 40 days, I'm going to be a bear to be around. You're going to want to leave me in the wilderness. But, but, but 40 days, we know a human body. A body just is going to get weak as we don't eat for that time. And then, at the time when he's at his weakest, he's going to come face to face with spiritual warfare. He's going to come face to face with something that's so serious and so consequential that the effects of this will carry on forever and ever. You see, if Jesus failed in the temptation, everything else that happened in his ministry would be for nothing. His dying on the cross would have been for nothing. But Jesus didn't fail. Let's look at some key things from, from his temptation. Before Jesus ever defeated Satan and the schemes that Satan had, he defeated him before he ever got to the cross of Calvary, before he ever got to that point of avenging and paying for our sins and paying forward. There's this huge clash going on between these spiritual kingdoms. This duel between Jesus, who's the Lord of Lords, and Satan, who's the prince of the air and over this world. It's a time of crisis for Jesus. It's a time of tough things. This wasn't just a little battle. This was an all or nothing win. You see, it was for everything. Jesus knew everything was on the line. He had this awesome challenge because basically, if you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, when we started in the Garden of Eden, Adam's sinning is what got us in this whole mess, wasn't it? Satan came to Eve and Adam. Satan came and brought that deceit and brought the lies. Jesus came in this battle of the, in the temptation of the wilderness and brought the truth back. You see, as Jesus was there, he was bringing the truth back. Jesus' private confrontation is a reminder to all of us that we must do what God wants us to do. We must follow what God wants us to do in this world. We must follow God's ways. The world's going to try to take you. It was very important because Jesus first had to overcome the death. He had to overcome Satan before he could even get his ministry started. He had to overcome the power of the devil. And he was there in a human body. You see, Jesus was still king of kings and lord of lords. But when Jesus came, he went through suffering in a human body just like we do. And that was important 
One thing, it was an example to say that we can make it true, that we can do the Father's work. Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, it was telling us there, Jesus came so he could understand what we would go through. He understood the temptations and the pain and the suffering that would happen to us. One thing that's important was this battle wasn't just set in this place for any reason. Satan didn't choose the battlefield. If you notice, Satan didn't lead Jesus into the wilderness. Who did? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. The Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. He took him there. Jesus followed what the Spirit told us to do. You see, we have freedom to do the things that we want to do. God gives you freedom. God gives you choices. And it's up to us to take the direction that he wants to. And when you look at this temptation where it says the wilderness be tempted by the devil, it comes from an old Greek word, which means to test, means to scrutinize, to examine, to prove. You see, this was kind of like a test that God was being placed, that Jesus was being placed in to see. Jesus, Satan was attempting to see what is Jesus made of? What is my adversary made of? Many times in battles, they'll send, we'll send, our forces will send scouts in early on. And their, their job is to go in there and kind of test the defenses, to test to see the weaknesses, to test to see the area. And that's what Satan's doing. He knows he has this huge battle coming up. But listen to where else this root word that, that temptation comes from is a root word called pira, which means a piercing through. So the temptation is something that pierces through us, just like it did to Jesus. It's going to examine what's going on in our heart. It's going to open up. You see, many times as human beings, as people, we put the shell on. There's a lot of people that will walk into churches, and they go into church every Sunday, but when they walk out the doors, they leave Christianity behind when they go out because they've got the shell on. But we're looking at the real inside, what's going on. If you go back into history, it's important to look that Jesus and the Holy Spirit chose the battlefield. It was chosen for a reason. I think of the history, and you guys know I love history, of the United States and the Civil War and one of the biggest battles that was really probably the key turning point of the Civil War was the Battle of Gettysburg. You see, at Gettysburg, up until that point, the Confederacy, Confederacy had pretty much, and the Confederate forces had had the upper hand in many of the battles. Robert Lee had told his generals that he did not want to face battle there in Gettysburg, that they were to avoid a skirmish. They were to avoid becoming involved in a war there. Um, as we know from history, that did not turn out very well that battle because the Union forces 
They were able to gain the momentum there with a win, and they eventually won the war. I guess you could say that Robert E. Lee fought that battle under protest. Think about Jesus after being baptized. He's being set forth in the ministry, but with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he takes the battle to where the devil wants to battle. He went into the devil's stomping grounds. The wilderness in our lives is a place where the devil wants to run rampant. Because it's in the wilderness that we feel hungry, we feel lonely. We feel like we're out there all alone. Many times we feel fearful. You know, you think about these people that wander off in the woods and they think they know where they're going and they get lost. And boy, when you get lost and darkness comes, that's a long time. You know, I remember when I went through some sniper training and Fort Benning, I would consider a wilderness out there. I don't like snakes. I don't like bugs. I like my creature comforts. And we went down there to sniper school with the rangers at Fort Benning because Georgia did not have a law enforcement program for snipers. So they sent Andy Briggs and I down there to become law enforcement sniper instructors. Well, the rangers decided they were putting us through the program that they went through. And one of the tests or one of the examinations that we had was they put us out there for three days. We spent three nights out there in the woods trying to get on a target. It was a wilderness. I'll tell you, I was not comfortable. Those little candy bars that I took with me weren't holding me over. I was wanting a steak dinner. I was wanting my Holiday Inn or my Hampton Inn or some nice warm bed to sleep in. But when darkness came, sometimes, I'll be honest, there was a little bit of fear. You know, think about it. Here's a pretty good size, well, I was a lot thinner then. Grown man laying out there in the woods, you know, and you can't really move. You can't give up your position because that was the whole idea of the test was for them to see where you were. But boy, when nighttime came, every little crackle in the leaves. I mean, it's amazing how much noise a bug can make when you're out there by yourself and it's quiet. Bugs make a lot of noise, but you don't know what it is. So you can think Jesus takes this to the wilderness, to Satan's playground, to where he's comfortable. But they chose the place. They chose the battlefield in the spiritual warfare. He didn't go in there because it was Satan's plan. He went in there because it was God's plan. It was the Father's plan. He was directed to go there. In Jesus' times, Jews considered the wilderness an area where demonic spirits would, would harbor. That was the time that they thought. Matthew 12 and 43 says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through the dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Jesus understood the nature of the wilderness. He understood what was at stake, but he was willing to take the offensive on Satan's own turf. He did it without hesitation. He did it without worry. And just like hundreds of years before him, when David and Goliath stood there on that battlefield, 
David knew he had a battle to take, but he had God with him. You see, when he stood there before the king, he said he was ready. Satan met Adam in a beautiful garden. And God's truth got perverted there. Jesus met Satan in the wilderness and defeated him for the truth of God. Think about that. It was a spiritual sword fight. And God went prepared. Jesus went prepared. He had studied. He had spent his time in the Word. He had spent his time getting ready. You see, Jesus was being driven by the Holy Spirit. Both Matthew and Mark say, I'm sorry, Matthew and Luke say the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. However, Mark tells us, and listen to his account, Mark 1 and 12 says, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The Spirit was directing him. The Spirit was pushing him into the wilderness. And while he was forcefully trying to get him to go, it was still Jesus' choice that took him there. His own free will. You see, it was Jesus' free will that took him to the cross. Because there's no doubt in my, my mind that Jesus could have called down the angels and stopped everything that was going on. But he knew there was a job that had to be done. I love that song that says, When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He knew us all the way back. When we were on the cross, he had you on his mind. Don't think that just because you were born 2,000 years later that Jesus didn't know every little thing that was going to happen in your life. He knew everything. One thing that's important about this is I want you to know this, though. The Holy Spirit was in no way an agent of temptation. The Holy Spirit did not do something bad. God does not tempt someone to go and sin. Satan alone pulls the, he is the tempter. It's Satan alone that drives you to where that. The Holy Spirit may lead us to a new area. The Holy Spirit and God may lead you to a new place, a new challenge. I mean, I think about the missionaries. You know, I told you about the one-way missionaries that would pack all their goods in their coffin and they bought a one-way ticket because they weren't coming back. Those missionaries that went to those places where the head that they were taking and they would kill missionaries, you know, where they shrunk the heads and all those things in those places. You can think about God sent them there. They didn't go just because, oh, that looks like a nice vacation spot. You know, they didn't think, oh, I'm going to jump on a cruise ship and go hang out on that beach. They were going somewhere where they thought they were going to die because God told them to go there. God took them out of their comfort zone. Now, I'm sure there's lots of temptations that go through the minds of of us as we're, as, as we're being led into new places, new challenges. I'll tell you, the first time I got up in the pulpit, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. And I was in front of a bunch of little kids. I was still scared to death. I made Arnold Schwarzenegger in kindergarten cop look like he had no problems. <laughs> you know, my old knees were just a shaking. And it was one of the pulpits that didn't have but just a little stick. <laughs> But you know, God takes you to a different direction. And sometimes when we get in our comfort zone and everything gets going good, God changes our direction, takes us somewhere else. And sometimes 
when we're getting to that point, it seems like Satan is always right at one step ahead of us. Have you ever felt that way? You've been in the wilderness, or you've been in a downtime or a valley in your life, and every time you turned the corner, it felt like Satan was right there on top of you, that he knew exactly what you were going to do. He knew your playbook. Many times Satan's trying to keep up with God's people. Because as God's people, we have the omnipresence. God is always with us. Think about Jonah when he was down in that well's belly. God was with him. God heard him no matter how far down he was or how far away he was. Jesus, as he was in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit was there. You see, he was alone and he was isolated from human contact. And he spent those days probably praying and fasting but he was not completely alone because we know the Holy Spirit was with him as well as the angels. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the true power that we have doesn't come from anything that we do. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a source of all of Jesus' power during that time. All of Jesus' miracles came through the power of the Holy Spirit during his ministry on earth. You know, some may say that Jesus was, would have been successful in gauging the enemy in the wilderness and Satan in the wilderness because he was Jesus. Um, but the fact is that in his earthly life, and this is hard to understand sometimes, God, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. You see, he was born just like you and I were born, except for he had the the virgin birth, but he, he, he was born the same way we were. I think it's important that he was not born in a nice fancy hospital, that he was born in a place that was uncomfortable environment. You know, whether it was a manger, whether it was a cave, whether it was a stable, however you want to say, we know that it was not in a king's castle that he was born. He was born in an environment much like many people Many human beings at that time were born. You know, because only the kings and only the wealthy people got to go into these fancy places. The rest of them, it just happened to be wherever it was. Jesus came. He was tempted, just like we're tempted. And it's because of that very humanity that Jesus had to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, we must rely on that power. We must rely on the Holy Spirit's power. The good news I have for you is that same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus and helped him face the trials of this world is the exact same Holy Spirit. And it stays with you. You see, one thing I want to remember, I want you to remember, is that when Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not only did the Holy Spirit come down upon him, but it stayed with him. You see, when we get the baptism, and when Jesus, we, we surrender our lives to him, he stays with us. He doesn't leave you. Sometimes we leave him, but he doesn't leave you. John 1 and 32 and 1 and 33 says, And John bore witness, saying, This is John the Baptist, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. 
You see, the Spirit didn't just come down and, and, and light for a minute and then flutter off and go somewhere else. He remained with him. John went on and said, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remain on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You know, that real message that's here today for us is that God sent us a comforter. When Jesus was getting ready to leave, he told the disciples to wait because God was sent, he said, and told them not to fear because God was sending a comforter. He was sending the Holy Spirit. That same power that gave Jesus the power to do miracles, that Holy Spirit that came down and it was his power source is ours today. The Lord fully expects us as his church and his people to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. John 14 and 12 says, Most assuredly, these are the words of Jesus, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do, because I go to my Father. Jesus wanted to know that we, as his church, have been given that same power. This power is in the name of Jesus. And it's a comfort knowing that no matter what kind of wilderness that God may lie rolling into, or what kind of place that God may push me, that I have a comforter that will take care of me. I have a comforter that will carry me through. That's what's so important. When you're in the wilderness, or you're in a time that you feel that God, that you just feel alone, you know that you're not alone. Because as Jesus was in that wilderness, it tells us that the angels ministered to him. It tells us that the Holy Spirit, we know, stayed with him. He was getting direction all the time in everything he did. Because God was right there with him. And there's going to be times in your spiritual walk. There's going to be times in your days that you're going to feel the darkness. You're going to feel that, that, that there's just no hope. You're going to feel that everywhere you turn, that there's nothing else you can do. But I'm telling you, if you know God and you know Jesus, and you ask Him in your heart, and you do your best to follow Him, He is not leaving you. He is not going to forsake you. He is going to be there to help you through. When, when, when you don't think that there's nothing else, because I'll tell you this, you find out people you think that are your friends in this world, when the chips get hard, they don't show up. Amen. I don't know where they go. <laughs> this past Thursday night, I went and visited Joey down there at the jail. And I told you he'd been sitting there since the previous since Friday. I was his first visitor. Girlfriends, mothers, all those other people that he thought were his friends that he was running around in the wrong circles with. Not a one of them had been by their seat. But I tell you this God is there. God is there with him. Each night when he's in that cell, God's with him. He may feel lonely and he may feel that everybody else is scurried away. God will never leave you. Amen. And there's
There's times that you just is tough. There's times when you just want to give up. But don't ever give up. Because no, the Holy Spirit will give you comfort. Reach out and start praying. In my time that I get my lowest times, man, if I start praying, sometimes, sometimes it's not even prayer. Sometimes it's just turn on some good old gospel music. You know, sometimes it's picking up the Bible. But boy, when I start getting close to God, that peace comes upon me. I can't explain how it works. You, you know what I'm talking about. You guys have been there. I can't explain how that works. But I can tell you, this peace will come upon you. That warmness, that feeling. And you know that you're not alone in the valley. You're not alone in the wilderness. We're going to continue on because I want you, next week I want to know, I want to follow Jesus through the temptations. But I, I knew I couldn't, there was no way I was going to get all that in today. What I want, what God would want me to share. <coughs> in the wilderness, know that you're not alone. Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, if there is just one that is in the wilderness, Lord, there's one that does not know you today, Lord. They don't know you that 100% that if they died today, they were going to go meet and spend the rest of their life in eternity in heaven because they've not surrendered to you. They've not said, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for me and that I'm a sinner, but you died so that it paid you a debt for my sins. Lord, if there's just one of those that are here today, Lord, don't let them leave here today. Lord, those that are going through different parts of their journey. We're all on a journey, Lord. If there's just one that needs you today, let them call out upon you, Lord. Let them know that you will not leave them, that the Holy Spirit is there. What a wonderful gift you gave us, knowing that we couldn't face this earth on our own, that we couldn't face the trials that we face. We couldn't face the stresses that come upon us without the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, we just ask that you help us to call upon your name. Call on the name of Jesus when we need help. And know that you're there and that you'll carry us through. Lord, help us to be bold and share your gospel and what you've done for us in our lives as we go through each and every day. Lord, I ask for protection, a hedge over each and every person that's here. And those that are not here, Lord, our family members, maybe those that are out sick or those that are in places that they can't be here, Lord, we ask for a protective hedge over them. <coughs> Lord, we ask for you to physically touch their bodies, Lord. Touch their spirit. Raise them up and let them know. And Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, if there's any needs, let us lay them on the altar for you. Let us leave here and be a light that shines for you. Lord, let us carry on as we go out that we're a light for you. Let the power and the, and the beauty of the Holy Spirit and the light shine through us. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. I love you guys.